Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Natural Running Network. My name is Richard Diaz, and what I hope to do is introduce you to some amazing athletes and luminaries from the sports science community, and what has come to be expected. I'll provide some highly opinionated rants on all aspects of endurance sports and my current favorite, obstacle course racing. But before I get started, I want to give a shout out to Human Octane. If you're the kind of person who pushes the limit, then you've got to check out Human Octane Apparel. Training and racing apparel designed by OCR athletes, and these guys just get it. Everything they make dries lightning fast, has zippered pockets, is abrasion resistant in high contact areas without bulky padding. I've gotten to know these guys and trust me, they're going to out innovate the competition when it comes to OCR gear. Check them out at humanoctane.com. Now sit tight, grab a cup of coffee, and let's do this. All right, I'm back again, and I've got my wingman, Sean Kahn, is on tap here. He's parked somewhere next to a car dealership. I just pulled him out, said, gotta go, gotta go, gotta go. Because we've got the queen of obstacle madness on with us, Stephanie Bishop, world tough mudder champion, and what a lot of people in this industry are not familiar with yet, which we're going to kind of school them on, adventure racing queen. I mean to tell you, royalty in the house today. Say hello, Steph. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Rich, I wouldn't necessarily call me queen of adventure racing yet, but keep your eyes open for 2018. Look, man, I know what happened. You know, you kind of guided some guys through Wyoming for about 450 miles, and they're on, they're trying to sleep, and you're trying to run. I know how it went, so we could be coy. <laughs> it was a great experience, though, I must say that. Sean, say hello to Steph. Stephanie, how are you doing? I am great, John. Wonderful to finally meet you. You as well. So, Stephanie, um, before we kind of got stuck with the Skype attack, I was asking you if you could, like, just kind of give a broad stroke of what this Adventure Racing World Championship's all about, where it occurred, and kind of give us a step into this. Because I know tons of people in this industry, and I'm saying the OCR community, is really, really interested in knowing more about this type of thing because I think it's like the evolution for a lot of them. Um, I would have to agree with that. So adventure racing is a sport where um, you are given a bunch of checkpoints you have to find on the map. So orienteering is your is your main sport within it. Um, you will either trek, run, mountain bike, raft, paddle of some sort, and there's usually a repelling section involved to uh, find these checkpoints. 
Now, the Adventures World Championship is a, this year, it was a six-day long race. It started in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and ended in Casper, Wyoming. So we went about 450 miles, give or take a few, depending on which route you decided to take. You had to make these checkpoints within a particular timeline? Um, they had one. So um, within the race, usually there are sections where if you don't hit a checkpoint by a certain hour, um, you will get short course, which means you and your team will get picked up and will get moved farther along the course. Um, or they have places like dark zones, places that, that you're not allowed to travel at certain hours of the night. Um, our team completed the course, so uh, we cleared the course, is what you call it, so that was a big accomplishment. Um, and it was a... It was a rough going at times, but in the end, it was an experience that I would not trade for anything. And how many people were on your team? So a typical team involves four people. You need at least one female athlete on your team. So generally speaking, you're looking at teams of three guys and one gal. Um, it's pretty common in the, in the sport. Um, there, I've heard in the past, I believe last year, there was actually an all-female team that competed, um, which to me is really badass and something I'd love to do one day. Um, and overall, in the actual race this year, I think 58 teams started, and maybe around 36 or so actually cleared the course. I think um, 11 did not finish, and the rest were short course. I would imagine that when people set out to do this, they're already pretty well badasses anyway. I mean, this is like, uh, this is not something that you go, oh, okay, I think I'm going to do this tomorrow, right? Yeah, this is not really for the faint of heart. Um, you think, okay, it's not that bad. All I have to do is read some maps and follow some trails. And, you know, what you don't realize are the maps they give you may not have the trails on them. You may be stuck in a labyrinth of trails. You're going to face very severe weather. You're going to have to figure out what you're going to do when you when you face that weather. And you're also dealing with teammates. You know, you're, you can only move as fast as your slowest teammates. Um, and when people are hungry, people are sleep deprived, people can get moody. Um, you know, so there's a lot of different factors going on that make it very difficult. Sean? I'm just taking this to then. I mean, yeah, I am here. I am here. No, I think the inventor racing scene, I don't know too much about it, Stephanie. So uh, for me, uh, just trying to learn more about, you know, what goes into it and obviously getting short course, I'm, I'm sure, is is quite the the challenge. But how do you, I guess, how do you pace yourself well for these longer races? Um, You know, it, it depends, I think. You have to do a lot of planning. Usually, you know, they'll tell you when and where you would get short course. Um, I think for us, it was on day three. I don't know, bear with me. The, the days all kind of blend together into one. Um, you kind of have to plan out getting on the same sleep schedule as your teammates. You know, what can, what's the most amount of time you can go without sleep? I generally say like a 36-hour mark is usually the most I'd like to go without even like a 20 minute nap or something. But, you know, maybe your teammate can't just run on a 20 minute nap. Maybe they need a three hour nap. Um, you know, you have to plan what routes you want to take and you should all be in agreement which route. Um, for example, the first trekking, trekking leg of this race, you had three route options, two involved going along the ridge and one involved going through a valley. 
my team was one of four teams that took the valley route, and it took substantially longer to go via that route. But it's one of those things that you don't necessarily know until you're actually in it. Um, so, I've heard you know, there are a lot of unknown factors. Yeah, I, I've mm-hmm. heard, you know, again, I we talked about this before. Through conversations I had with uh, my old friend Kathy Sasson, who used to do these races, this is back during the uh, the raid Galloways, I guess is pronounced right, and the Echo Challenges, mm-hmm. and, and um, a lot of the events that you take on, you're not really aware of when they're going to occur. It's not like it's like they say, okay, when you get to 10 miles, you're going to ride your bike or so on and so forth. You you pretty much are just put out there. Is that right? No. Well, they gave us for this race. We had an advance because um, a lot of the organization also comes with transition pins. So we actually knew approximate mileage for every single leg within the race. Um, so I knew going into it that leg nine out of 12 legs was going to be around a 168-mile mountain bike ride. That was not fun. But... Um, but, but they gave us that because we had to know at which time we have access to which TA bins, which are our transition bins. Um, and we had to plan our food accordingly, our gear according to that as well. Um, so usually it depends on the race. Some races they give you pre-plotted checkpoints already on the map. doesn't make it much easier, but it does actually take out that risk of misplotting a coordinate. Got it. Um, but, you know, it's, no matter what, it's unknown. Let's be real. The maps they give you are not the best the, the best maps out there. Um, they're just, you know, pretty basic. So it's a lot of just discovering once you're out in the field. So you're not, you're not allowed to use GPS, though, are you? Oh, no way. Uh-uh. No GPS watches, no phones. All of that gets, you know, don't bring it or it gets sealed into a bag when, uh, so you can't see it. So part of the deal is they expect you to find your way. You've got to navigate over the course to end yeah. up at these checkpoints. Nothing like a good old compass and an app. I mean, that's what I love about it is, is you know, it's going back and, and honing those skills that I think a lot of people, you know, don't have nowadays because we're relying on so much technology. Yeah, yeah. Stephanie, do you try to meet up with your team uh specific to the race beforehand and try to get a few training sessions in together and do some sort of kind of adventure simulation race? Ideally, ideally, yes, you would. Um, my teammates live on, live on the West Coast, so um, it was a little difficult to do that, um, i.e., we did not do that. But I have raced with them in the past. Um, so, you know, uh, we've done a few 72-hour races together and we did nationals last year which is about a 30-hour race um yes you ideally want to train together it's important you can learn a lot of things from each other um when you're out in the field together so wyoming was pretty gnarly huh (laughs) understatement um the weather out there is wicked um the terrain is just ruthless you're looking at they had us out in the desert where the climbs, you would think a climb would end, and then you would keep on going, and all of a sudden it would climb for another five miles, but out of nowhere. Um, it was really difficult to gauge scale as a result. 
Um, we were out in one section, and a massive thunderstorm came rolling through, and we were like 60-mile-per-hour winds. And uh, we were luckily just hit a TA in the middle of nowhere and were somewhat sheltered. But um, I heard some stories of people out, you know, out in the desert, just, you just have to kind of hunker down and, and cuddle up with each other and just ride it out. Um, there was a section, um, our final rafting section, we just got up a 14-mile paddle across the reservoir, and a hailstorm hit, and it was blinding hail. You couldn't see anything. Wind was, you know, I don't even know how strong the wind was. My team and I were in a campground toilet, huddled up together, trying to figure out what we were going to do. <laughs> um, so, I mean, and one night, I mean, four teams, we were stuck out on some mountain in a ghost town, and we all, the thunderstorm came rolling in, the ground became too muddy to ride on, so we just found a nearest abandoned house, and we just rolled out some really filthy carpet and threw out our, took out our bivvies and just hunkered down for like 90 minutes until the storm passed. Wow. Wow, wow. So, now, so let me be clear. It came at me like a storm. 60-mile-an-hour winds, hailstorms, and how much elevation? Well, you don't know because it doesn't tell you. Um, right? I mean, you know, I don't know the exact elevation we did. We were up at Wyoming, so we were up, you know, past, I think, like 9,000 feet and such. But um, these storms come rolling in in a matter of minutes. And, uh, you know, it's, it's always you can see them kind of rolling in, but you're kind of second-guessing if they're going to hit you or not. And you may be you know, 10 feet away from actually being in the heart of the storm. And then, you know, it's sunny 20 feet from you. Wow. Wow. And when you, you bivouac, I'm assuming you just sleep wherever you can, right? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, nothing beats a teammate's, a teammate's body warm. Um, there are some good TA uh, transitions where we could sleep. Maybe there's like a playground and we sat down some like mulch and kind of used the playground as a structure to block the wind. Um, I've slept on the side of a trail for 10 minutes, just kind of with my backpack on and curled up in a ball. Um, we learn to adapt very quickly. And if you don't adapt quickly, well, I don't know. Good luck. <laughs> wow. Sean, what do you think? You want to try that? I think I'm good with uh, just trying to get a little more miles in OCR races. <laughs> well, how about this, Sean? You don't have to dive into an expedition length. They do have 24-hour length races. They do even have 12-hour races. Um, I do suggest that people give it a go and do a 24-hour race because it's really exciting and it's a, an added challenge to navigate at night. I'll bet it is. Yeah. No, I'm sure. I mean, I could just hear from – from just the conversation, I mean, your mental strength, just doing one of these races, I can imagine just increases tremendously. And then obviously being as experienced as you are in this realm, just, uh, just the fortitude you have and whatnot. I mean, it's hard to explain almost, right? Um, I guess so. It's, it's definitely built, built a lot of character. Um, and it's actually a really great community of people. It reminds me a lot of the OCR community. Everybody's very close-knit, very friendly, very welcoming. Um, and uh, everybody pushes each other. And you'll be out there and, you know, a team will pass you or you'll pass a team and you just cheer each other on. Um, it's great, especially when you hit those low points and those sleep monsters are coming after you and it, you just want to 
sleep for eight hours, but you can't. You just have to keep on moving forward. Um, so, Steph, I know that you're really, really a strong believer in recovering more than you train or harder yes. than you train, right? And I've even yes. quoted you on many different occasions when we have this discussion about recovery. You And I think you said it best. You said you need to to recover or rest as hard as you train. Now, and I know yes. that right, right now you're in that phase, right? You're, you're, you're like... I am. You shut it down for like a few weeks. Yeah, I'm going to shut it down until my body's ready to go again. Um, I'm moving, you know, like my, the, the extent of my exercise, and I use that term very loosely right now, is city biking two and a half miles to my office. Um, you know, I'm sleeping a ton. I'm making sure I'm, you know, I'm eating really well and, and fueling my body, rolling out. I'm doing cryotherapy. I'm just uh, I'm attacking my recovery harder than I do my actual training right now. Are you listening to now, that, Sean? Oh, I am. Now, when you say you, you're sleeping a ton, how many hours of sleep are you getting uh, average a night? So during the actual race, I calculated that I slept over six days less than 10 hours. Um, now, the I didn't sleep much the night after the race ended, and I didn't even sleep much the night after that. Over the weekend, I slept around 28 hours over the course of two days, um, and that was between naps and laying down to sleep. Um, I'm aiming between 9 and 10 hours a night and a midday nap, and uh, just like taking each day as it comes. I'm not thinking about what's going to happen come this weekend, and I'm not going to stress myself out with the fact that if I don't feel like moving, you know, I'm not going to move. There's no reason to do that. That's just going to hurt my recovery. So a lot of people, Steph, as you probably are well aware, they have anxiety when they get a little downtime. They're assuming that that they're going to lose their fitness and what have you. Now, I know in the course of the type of event you're competing in, there's a tremendous amount of stress that comes over the body. It's not like trying to get over a three-hour run and how much time you need for that type of recovery, but when you go out long and hard the way you are, you absolutely have to get that type of recovery. Would you agree? Yes, 100%. Um, I, I've, you know, even, uh, like, uh, if you spoke to me a few years ago, I would have been going crazy right now. And part, and I'm just listening to my body, and I feel like I'm so much more in tune with it now that I understand and I'm respecting it, that it needs to rest right now. Uh, all right, so... Last year, you cleaned up at World's Toughest Mudder, mm-hmm. uh, the World Championships, I should say. And I know you're coming back. You're going to defend your title. Do you have any aspirations on a particular distance that you hope to achieve? I want the magic number. I mean, um, I'm going into it with the idea that 100 miles is the number to hit. You know, whether I hit it or not, we'll see what happens, but... I think that if I don't set that goal for myself, I'm not going to be training at the level I need to be training. I think you need to set your goal at 105. I kind of like that. I say, you know what? <laughs> I think that's a good idea because that's, that makes a little buffer in there. Yeah. You got well, 105 guarantees 100. 100 yeah. guarantees 95. 95. And that would just be, oh, that would be painful to get 95. I know. <laughs> not I know. painful physically, actually painful emotionally. Well, the the only real 
issue is whether or not you win. And I'm absolutely convinced that there's not anybody on the planet that should be able to take this from you this year. Thank you. Well, we will see. It's one of these things that I go into the training for this, and I did this last year, and it worked very well for me. And this is how I race, too, is that um, I'm not going to be concerned with what my competitors are doing. I'm just going to focus on myself and focus on what I'm doing for training-wise, and then on race day, just focus on my own race. Stephanie, but between that race and the race you have before, how many weeks uh, will you kind of have to just rest and recover almost before that race? Um, we, uh, you mean the world championships I just did? I finished those on Wednesday morning uh, last week, so just about uh, a week ago. And I'm going to, you know, I'll start moving a little more come the end of this weekend. But when I say moving, I mean, like, maybe I'll go for a three-mile walk with some jogging in it, um, nothing car training. I'm going to give myself at least two weeks um, of serious recovery before I even consider training again. And then if not, if I need more time, I'll take an extra week. But as of now, like, my fitness feels fine. Um, my city bike time, my city bike commute reflected that my fitness is apparently better than it was before I left. So I'm happy with that. Cool. That's good to hear. Uh, all right. So now I know, you know, but I, I have to ask, I've seen that Amelia Boone has recovered. I, I would have to say she's recovered, actually won a race recently. I don't know whether she intends to race. Are you looking forward to her being in that race? And I know you say you're going to race within your own, and and, and I, I totally respect that, but I just want to kind of get any thoughts you might have about it. Amelia is definitely going to race. I mean, I, I don't know what she hasn't specifically told me, but I don't see her not racing. I mean, this is a race she's won three times, and she's a force to be reckoned with. And she's a great person anyway. She's a, a wonderful person for this community and just um, so well recognized on a global scale. It would be sad not to have her out there race. And she's a beast. She's a really strong runner. She's a strong athlete and she's a lot of grit. So, I mean, she's not going to just show up for a fun run. The girl's going to, you know, she's going to show up to compete. And, you know, yes, that's like maybe all the way in the back of my head, but I'm not going to try to focus on that. Um, I think that no matter what, like, the whole women's field is going to be very competitive this year. Um, and, you know, I'm just going to have to let them juke it out and me do my own thing. I have to tell you, I did not think that we'd see her back on a race course this year. And, you know, when you you break a femur, that's no joke. That takes quite a long time to recover. And even aside from being able to recover and possibly compete in an event like a super or even a beast, getting out there for 24 hours and trying to log somewhere near 100 miles, that's kind of a different deal. I wonder, even if she's well recovered physically, whether emotionally or mentally she has this trepidation about that injury and whether that would be something that would caused her to rein back a little bit and and again she's a fierce competitor i know and, and i'm assuming that she'll probably go for it regardless but i don't know what's your thoughts i i mean i know what you mean i've i've suffered a not an injury like like hers but um 
two winters ago, I had to stop running for four months. You know, coming into the 2016 season, I didn't run until March. Um, and for many months, even at Worlds, it was always in the back of my head. Like, am I, am I re-injuring myself? Am I going to injure myself and just knock myself out completely? Um, it's difficult when you go through something like that. It's, it's very traumatizing. And when you come from somebody like herself, such a high level of performance and to have to start almost from scratch again, it's, it's very humbling, but you know, it's just, it's not easy. It's not easy mentally. Even if you're 100% physically ready, you still have that mental battle to overcome. Are you planning on doing any of these uh, eight-hour events where that we met at, like this uh, Tough Mudder midnight to eight in the morning thing? I I did do some. I I've been uh, been quietly I DNF'd one. Um, that was a good one in in uh, Atlanta, and I comfortably casually ran Philly. I what happened was is I uh, had an expedition in the Adirondacks, and I kind of wore down my body to the extent. Uh, where I was suffering from severe digestive issues. Um, and I made a deal with my doctor after I DNF to Atlanta that I would take the next event at a more casual pace and just stop. And in Philly, I, the goal was to do anything under 30 miles. So I stopped my watch. It was around 28 miles. And I said, you know, I had an hour and a half left in the event. I'm like, I can't go back out there. I'm not allowed to. Um, and then that wasn't too easy to say no to, but I'm happy I did. And then in Whistler, I came in fifth place, and I felt uh, I had some stomach issues during the race again, but um, I held on, and, and I'm happy that's exactly where I ended up. That's all I wanted to do was a top five, so it worked for me in that sense. Um, everything I've been doing this year has been building up with the anticipation of, of World's Toughest Mother. Um, and that's been my A race from the get-go. I don't think that um, I can't race multiple races as A races throughout the season. That's just screams blowing up in my world. Got it. Who who else do you see as competition for that event? Oh, gosh. Um, I mean, Lindsay Webster's been on fire this year. Um, I know her world didn't go as time last year, but, I mean, Let's be real. Like if you look at her performances this year in those eight-hour events, she's very strong. Allison Ty, I mean, she's always been a contender on World Tempest. Um, she's a phenomenal athlete as well. You have uh, Sarah Knightson out there. Uh, Chikorita um, from uh, Mexico. She's new to this, like new to this ultra-length sport, but she's starting to do really well. And you have Morgan. You know, Morgan's one of the I think Morgan's probably one of the strongest female athletes in, in terms of obstacles out there. And you just can't win World Toughest Mudder by running. You have to do well with obstacles. No question about that. What's your thoughts about the male competition? Oh, gosh. Oh, I can't, you know, I'm, kind of, I'm really excited for the male competition. Uh, now that, you know, they put that bonus for the solo athletes, it's going to be interesting to see you know, John and if John's racing, John Alvin and Ryan go head to head, but then you have Chad and you have Robert Killian and Chad Trammell, I think just won the Grand to Grand Ultra, if I'm not mistaken. And that's a five, that's a stage race, an ultra marathon. And he crushed it. Um, so you never know what's going to happen at Worlds. I think the male, 
the men's competition is going to be neck and neck up until the very end. And you have Trevor, and you have Austin, and, I mean, you have Chris Mendoza. There are so many strong male athletes who were already competing neck and neck last year. It can be anybody's race. When you were talking about this solo bonus, I, I guess I'm not up to speed on this. What, what are we talking about? I was uh, back in, in March. I was trying to become the first woman to climb the 46 Adirondack High Peaks in the winter consecutively. No woman's ever done it, and I think only like three guys have ever done it. Um, let's just say there was a big blizzard, and just things just were not going my way. But I kept on pushing on and pushing on, and my body was, was full-blown shutting down, but I kept on pushing and pushing and pushing. And in the end, I ended up calling it. I was only 27 mountains in, and I was just exhausted and done. And I was already at the mileage that I should have been in order to finish it. So I was well over 200 miles in, and that should have been enough for me to finish all 46 peaks. But, um, you know, Mother Nature had her, had her way that time. Yeah, we talked about that event. That was pretty nutty. Yeah, it was nutty. It was fun, though. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, see, that's what I'm talking about. You are the baddest-ass OCR nature-killing female that I've ever met. I, who, who do you talk to? Who do you talk to that is like pushing into four feet of snow with wind blowing at them with the wind chill factor of 30 below zero, trying to climb a mountain? <laughs> who does that? You know. <laughs> You know, you do it because you feel like, it sounds so cliche, you feel alive. It puts perspective into your life. It puts, you know, it puts perspective not only into, like, my my athletic endeavors, but it puts perspective into just my everyday life. Uh, you know, it, it builds patience, strength, grit. There's just so many character characteristics to build on. Um, and not to mention just to be able to be out in nature experiencing what is around us. And I think what so many people don't appreciate nowadays or take the effort to go do, um, you know, it's, it's a gift. And, you know, I want to take advantage of it. What do you think? And you still find time to rest. Yeah. I mean, that's I do. Uh, I sleep, it's, it's I amazing. I sleep a lot. I sleep a lot. I am I, – people are usually surprised. I sleep nine hours a night. Um Usually, yeah, eight to ten. Nine is usually the average. I don't feel good if I sleep less than eight. And if my schedule allows, I will take a nap. Naps are my favorite things in the world. I don't do it. I don't. Naps get, are the best. I, you know, I can't do it. I don't know what it is. I, once I get up in the morning, I'm up. And I mean, if you start adventure racing, you can learn yeah. how to nap. <laughs> yeah. I can guarantee you yeah. that. That's going to be my thing. My return to sport is going to be 65 years old, and by God, let's go do like 500 miles across some treacherous country. Let's do it. <laughs> I'm in. Yeah, you know, you, you, you'll you never speak to me again. If we got out on something like that, you'd want to kill me. That sounds like a great way to celebrate 66, Richard. Yeah. It does. I'll just attach a tow rope to you, and we'll be good to go. Yeah. That's why you're going to hate me. You're going to go, damn, this guy's heavy. Get up, man. Use your own feet. I can hear it now. Oh, that would be fun. Well, we talked about it off the show, but, you know, Steph, we're going to get you out here, and we're going to do a little training weekend and get people out on some train and let you introduce them to nature. I like it. Nature is my favorite gym. 
Yeah. It's always been, always been, <laughs> and, and it will never change. I love it. I guess getting back to what we were talking about, the question I had is you had kind of alluded to the fact that there is now a bonus for a solo event at the World's Toughest Mudder? Yeah, the Tough Mudder announced a while ago that they are giving a $50,000 bonus to the female athlete if she, if she wins, uh, to the winner if she hits 100 miles, and for a male athlete, it's 110 miles. What uh, what's up with that? Well, no woman has ever hit 100 miles, and I think the top men ran 105 miles last year. Well, but I mean, why do they get twice? Well, no, they get the ten thousand dollars for winning, and okay. then they would get a fifty thousand dollar bonus. And oh, okay, I'm sorry. Know, I thought you said he got a hundred thousand. Yeah. No, no, no. It's fifty thousand for it will be fifty thousand for the top female and fifty thousand for the top male if okay. they were to hit that mile. Got it. Got it. So your goal is to. Go home with sixty thousand dollars and one hundred and five miles. Uh, that would be nice. I'm honestly the the one thing I really want is that orange, uh, that ugly orange jacket. Um, I sat at the brunch last year and I saw all these guys earn these great orange jackets. And I turned to my friend and I looked at her and I said, "I want one." And she laughed and she goes, "Of course you want." So <laughs> that's been on my mind since November of last year. Wow, wow, that's crazy. You know what? I'd really like to be out there for that. I, I it would be great if you were out there. I mean, you're gonna it's gonna be a spectacle. Yeah, I know. But see, like for me to sit around, it's just harsh. You know what happened? The, the last event we were at, that L.A. Tough Mudder, I was gone. I mean, I, I stuck around to about two thirty, three in the morning, and I just said like, see you, goodbye. Way different. I mean, you're talking last year there were what fifteen hundred athletes. I think Chicago Toughest, which is this coming weekend is going to have over 2,000 athletes competing in that eight-hour event. World Toughest Mother is going to be massive. And if you hang out with my pick crew, there's never going to be a dull moment. I can guarantee you that. Well, for me, you understand that i got to have purpose. If I'm not in it, if I'm not a part of the team where I'm physically responsible for your welfare, then I'm bored to death. I'm, then I'm out. I just don't want to just – I could I always use – somebody to, to lube up my feet. Don't worry. Dude, you know what? care is essential. You have, no, you have no idea. I am the, the king of body repair. The king of it. There we go. You might there, be, you're hired. You're you, hired. You're you, on the team. You may be the queen of torturous obstacle, but I'm telling you right now, I have people in my small circle of clients that will tell you that I have magic hands when it comes to repairing the body. You're hired. But, the taping surgeon. Yep. Between rock tape, <laughs> rock blade, rock floss, just manual manipulation to get people back out on the on the deal, I'm that guy. But I gotta have okay. I gotta have that responsibility. I gotta know that that's my job, and I don't like anybody. You know, it's like when I cook, I don't want anybody in the kitchen. It's like mm-hmm. my responsibility is to cook. Your responsibility is to eat. You do your part. I do my part. And same thing with athletics. When your job is to compete, my job is to keep you competing. I don't like riffraff in the middle of it. So I get a little bitchy. I like to, you know, I like to be in charge of my, my deal. But that, see, that type of thing keeps me awake. That'll keep me sharp. That'll keep me tuned. And I'm, I'm a, a vital asset when it comes to that kind of thing. And, you know, i got to be honest while we're on the subject. It surprises me that some of my clients don't look at me as being that guy. They they might think, really? well, you know, he's an old guy, you know, he's got to run around a little bit. He might not be able. No bullshit. I mean, I'm the guy. 
I am. You're like I am the guy. I am. I'm telling you, I'm the guy. You know what? I may take you up on it. I may just show up, crew for you, just to show you and show the world what happens when you get somebody that's got good hands and good body knowledge in, in your corner. Not a. That's a, that's something I always welcome, and and you should always surround yourself with people that are smarter than you. So, so are we now shooting for 110 miles? 110 miles. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> no, no, no. We don't want 110. We want 105, and we want time to relax afterwards. Yeah, right? yeah you know I, mean? I like that. Get up, get, get it done under the wire, get 105 knowing that nobody else is going to get it, and let's just sit back and drink a beer, and, and I'll rub your feet. Perfect. Done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you now. Now I'm motivated. I'm I'm starting to think about it because, you know, I tried to uh, Hunter and Miguel, you know, when they were talking about doing a team thing. Hunter's like, yeah, you know, you got to run around, man. I don't know, it might be a little much for you. I'm like, God, you don't even know me, do you? I thought he knew me. He doesn't get it. Maybe <laughs> he was just making fun of you. He was just teasing you. Well. To his folly, I mean, he could have had a good guy in his corner and he didn't see it. So yeah. maybe that was his way of manipulating it. you to come. So no, no, I, you know, I tell you what, uh, Tough Mudder X, he went out for that, and be just, I mean, like a couple days before, he goes, look, I want to fly you out so you can, you know, be part of this thing. You know, you've been my coach, you've been helping me, and I, you know, it'd be fun to have you there. And I said, well, what am I going to do? He goes, well, you know, my dad, my mom, and my family's going to be there, you know. It'd be, you should just be there. I'm like, no, I'm not going just to watch. If, I, if there's something I can do for you, if I, have, if I have a responsibility, I got skin in the game, then I'm coming. But other than that, save your money. I don't need you to spend money for me to come watch you do this because I know what's going to happen. You know, I said, when you get home, you can buy me a bottle of scotch. Still waiting on the scotch. Surprise, surprise. (laughs) He's slow like that, you know. He's slow. I'll bring you, I'll have this, I'll have two bottles waiting for you in my pit. See what I'm talking about? That's the type of relationship I need. Somebody that knows how to get to my heart, man. I will be, (laughs) I I will be your hands. You will, you know what? You won't even want to, you won't even want to go anywhere anymore without me being around. That's it. Don't just be my right arm man, my right arm. You don't even know. My right arm hand. You don't even know. <laughs> I had a la- I tell you, I had a lady yesterday that's been training with me, an older woman, and she's been having a lot of trouble with her feet. And she goes, oh, I got a stress fracture again. I can't believe it. I got it. All. I said, you know what? Just shut up. Take your shoe off. Let's take a look at it. Spent a little time on her. You know, got the the rock blade out. Got a little treatment going. And she walked out and she goes, Oh my God! She goes, I can't believe it. There's no more pain. It feels great. I, I mean, yeah, I know. And just like, don't di- don't self-diagnose. Just bring me the foot. Bam, yep. done. Uh, just this morning for this call, I had somebody hanging and I suspended over my treadmill in traction to unload her back because she was having sciatica. Walked out of here like there was no tomorrow. Uh, I'm the guy. I'm telling you. That's it. So. Anyway, enough about me. So we're going to see you at World's Toughest Mudder. Yeah. Sean, are you going? 
I am not. I'm ending my season uh, at OCR World Championships, and I'm actually running the marathon in December. And you're uh, the fifteen k. Uh, the fifteen k. Oh, nice. I yeah, will not I'm be doing, there. I'm doing the US OCR in two in two weeks and the fifteen k. So yeah, I try to aim for that eight to twelve mile uh, distance uh, for obstacle course races. So yeah, those two races will end my season. That's going to be exciting, especially because this is the first U.S. Um, OCR championship. Yeah, no, it's it's exciting. It's uh, interesting. Uh, they're putting it in Texas, too, so it's not too far uh, from where I live. And I've never been to that venue, but it, they have a lot of races there. But uh, it's hill country, so they're definitely going to get some good, uh, good uh, elevation up there. While we're talking Perfect. about it. Well, that's the block. Yeah, while we're talking about it um... – Stephanie, any thoughts about this ultra event in New or Iceland? I guess it is. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to go do it. Uh, it's in December. I mean, he's still going to be relaxing after World Cup of Smutter. Yeah. I'm sure. I mean, who knows what it's gonna what it's gonna be like? I think the timing is not necessarily the best of timing if they wanted to attract, you know, the World Cup of Smutter crowd. We're very, I think, both uh, toughest mother is family. So, yeah. you know, they're not going to put that aside for it. Well, uh, there's a di- since you brought that up, there's definitely a different community in the world's toughest mother and tough mother community versus Spartan. Yeah. I mean, oh, I, for sure. I felt like I was in another, I felt like I was in China when I went to the tough mother event. Um, and nobody seemed to know who I was and uh, I didn't seem to know too many people and, um, just a different vibe altogether between those two events. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, if you go to the World's Toughest Mudder, you're going to see it is amazing. I mean, I, last year I remember, and I, I remember I was running through when you when you started your lap, you ran underneath that massive A-frame. It's like 40 feet tall, and everybody's lights are blinking at night, and they're all really lights blinking in the background. There's a huge tent city, thousands of tents. And I remember saying to one of the volunteers, I'm like, and I've never been, I'm like, this must be what Burning Man is like, because this is just like one big party in the desert. And we're all dressed in really strange things. Wow. Wow. It's awesome. It's wow. awesome. I mean, I've, I have so many friends now from all over the world that I've literally met just on that course running in circles. Wow. Well, who knows? Who knows? I, uh, I never know. You know, I wake up in the morning and there's another day ahead of me and I just do what I got to do. But I, as you said, you're happy to be, you're happy to uh, wake up to another day. (laughs) That's right. Every day above ground is a good day. There we go. Well, Steph, it was amazing getting a chance to catch up with you and um, we'll have to talk again because now I'm starting to think about all the smack mouth I just put out. I might have to show up at World's Toughest Mudder just because I, I suggested I would. The invite is there. You know it. Yeah. Yeah. It was a pleasure talking to you, uh, Steph. Uh, yeah, I look forward to meeting great. you one day at one of these races. I'm definitely uh, trying to increase the mileage as time goes on. So hopefully one of these days I'll, I'll build to that. To 110. Yeah, you just have to ease into it. Ease into it, definitely, for sure. 110 in one day. But, That's all. Yeah. But, but I only did 450 in six. No big deal. <laughs> Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. But it was not, it was a bunch of it was on the bike and I 
actually don't have too much interest in riding my mountain bike for like another week or so as a result. Well, I got to tell you, I know what it feels like to get off of a bike and then have to run. Uh, having mm-hmm. done so many triathlons in my day, and that's never any fun. I couldn't imagine. Yeah, this is more like you're you're sitting on your bike for like 23 hours, and then you have to get off the bike, figure out what you need from your bin, and then you know take your pack raft on a seven mile hike down to a lake. Um, it's it's great though. Like it really is. It's called adventure racing for a reason. It is one big adventure. Wow, wow. It's amazing. I'm gonna to have to work up to that one. All right. Well, like yeah. I said, Steph, it's never it's never a dull moment, and uh, I'm looking forward to not only just getting a chance to rub your feet at World's Toughest Mudder, but uh, getting you out here and doing some uh, some work and and having people get a chance to get a taste of you. Yeah, let's do it. I'm excited for that. Cool. Look at enjoy the rest of your day, Sean. Uh, thanks for. Uh, you know, busting up your day to, to get get in here and hang with us, and uh, I appreciate your steadfast approach to doing this business. Uh, it's my pleasure. Anything for you guys. So Thanks, Sean. Well, friends, it's time to bring another show to a close. Be sure and tune in to us next week. We've got a lot of great content in store for you. I want you to tell your friends to check us out. You can always find us on Facebook. Simply go search the Natural Running Network. Drop us a message. I'd love to learn more about you and the things you do. And until then, you have an amazing day. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.